What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are two short kings with tendencies to get involved in war. I'm Matt Johnson, and we should bring back the guillotine, I think, guys. Come on. And I'm Austin Terry, and I only communicate with my partner by snorting like a pig. On today's show, we have another big movie release and another three-hour epic on our hands with Ridley Scott's Napoleon. But before we get to that, Austin, let's talk about the state of movies and streaming and all of that jazz. I want to know, what's your stance on going to the theaters, like specifically for movies like this, of this scale? Because I kind of feel like nowadays movies with this length tend to fail in theaters. Like, I don't know, like post-COVID, I think it's also because of the streaming factor and the fact that we don't have to wait as long for digital and home video releases. So I want to know, like, kind of what do you think about that? But also, like, if we weren't doing this episode, would you have still seen this in a theater, do you think? Or would you have just waited for it to come to, like, Apple TV Plus and a month or whatever it is. I think it's just Ridley Scott movies because nobody saw The Last Duel. Nobody saw House of Gucci and now nobody's seeing Napoleon. So I think he just needs to figure out how to get his movies shorter. And this one's actually interesting because it actually is only two and a half hours, but it does feel like three hours. But he purposely edited this one down to be that two and a half hour length to be more appealing to audiences. Hmm. I think I still would have gone and seen this one in theaters. Um, I'm still a believer that a good movie is going to get people in theaters regardless of the length. and. Like the trailers for this one really hooked me. So it has been on my list to see for a while. It is interesting that they are taking a kind of a unique approach with this one where you have the theatrical cut going to theaters, but then Ridley Scott's four hour cut of the movie is going to be the one that goes to Apple TV. And honestly, I'm, I'm going to watch that too, I think, because I do want to see the differences and see if I feel differently about the extended cut versus the theatrical cut. Yeah, I think I'll do that too, actually. I, I would be interested in a longer version of this movie. And Ridley Scott... I will say to his credit, you know, he is. I know you're a big fan of the Kingdom of Heaven. The I'm cut. just going to bring that up. That theatrical cut I, is very confusing. It leaves you, the audience, like, wait, I don't understand characters, motivations, or relationships at all. But when you watch that, that director's cut, man, it slaps. Same with, like, the legend. I mean, of course, like, Blade Runner's an infamous example. That director's cut's great. So I don't know. Maybe he's meant to make super long epics like this, but I'm, I'm interested <laughs> in a longer version. It might make a lot more sense. And then we do have a a post-COVID movie like Oppenheimer that is three hours long, and that did get people in theaters. So I think it just depends on how a movie's marketed and word of mouth these days. Like, if if you're told this movie's good, you need to see it in theaters, I think people will go see it. I agree. I agree. I think maybe, like, the younger generation is still trying to keep that alive. Like, I was talking with my dad recently about Killers of the Flower Moon. He had a very passionate response. He doesn't get super passionate about movies a lot of the time, but he he was like, I'm mad at Martin Scorsese for making a movie that long. Like, that offends me. <laughs> like, that's such like a weird use of time. I have to go to a theater and watch your four hour movie because you couldn't find a way to edit it down or something. So I can understand that there are people that just simply will not go see movies like this anymore, especially when you can just stream it and take breaks now. Your dad is, is famously actually very opinionated about movies. This is a man that was very upset when Tropic Thunder came out because he thought it was offensive to soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> He's thankfully like, I don't know. He doesn't have those types of reactions anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I remember showing him Tropic Thunder because I was like, oh my God, he's going to love this movie. And then in the scene where, like the opening scene where they're shooting the movie and Ben Stiller like does like the Willem Dafoe from Platoon where he's getting shot. My dad was like, he took offense to it. He's like, how dare they? How dare they make a mockery of our good soldiers? It's like, what? Oh, man, that's true. Well, there you go. There's your little kind of check in to the state of movies and streaming. I thought that'd be a fun conversation. But with that, let's go ahead and get into the topic of the show. 
and get into this. Austin, did you have any expectations for this movie? It sounds like you kind of did. It sounds like those trailers work quite a bit for you, uh, more so than they did for me. And then, of course, the big question, let us know your non-spoiler thoughts on Napoleon. Yeah, I was actually really heavily anticipating this movie. I think when that first trailer came out back in the spring, this may have quickly become one of my most anticipated of the year. Um, So I was a little bummed when I saw the early reviews, but was still trying to keep an open mind going into it. I think this one's kind of a mixed bag for me. I think the actual battle scenes that you see in the trailers are incredibly shot and very thrilling. And like that's the most exciting parts of the movie for me. But I think all of the character pieces in this movie are pretty poorly done. It's really hard to keep track of who's allied with who. I don't feel like I really learned anything interesting or new about Napoleon from this movie. And it was very unclear what Napoleon actually believed or stood for in this film. You kind of just get he goes to a battle. He comes back, he gets in a fight with his wife, and then he goes back to the battle. That's really all the movie is. So I was, I was pretty let down. Um, I did think the focus on Josephine was the best parts of the movie, and I kind of got the sense really Scott wanted to make a Josephine movie, but had to send it around Napoleon to get people in theaters. Because um, then the, the Josephine side of the story I found the most interesting and kind of just found myself wishing there was more time allocated to her story too. So overall, I think it's a mixed bag. I do think it's good, and if you want to see the battle scenes... If you want to see the battle scenes on the big screen, I think it's worth going to theaters, but it may be like a kingdom of heaven where when the actual director's cut comes out, it's a much better and well-received movie. So it's probably worth waiting for Apple TV for this one. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm pretty much right in lockstep with you. And that's coming from someone that wasn't like super anticipating this one for whatever reason. Um, I love Ridley Scott, but I think he is kind of infamously, he can turn out some stinkers. I mean, we all remember Exodus, Gods and Kings, (laughs) but um. Yeah, I think his worst movies, or maybe worse is the wrong word, but his movies that don't work, I think, often have a similar problem where it's like you're watching it and you're while you're watching, it, you're trying to get into his head and wonder kind of to your point. So what like, why did he want to make this? Yeah. Did he want to make it a story about Josephine, which to your point, when you watch it, you could I would be totally not surprised if that was the original intent. Um, But then he's also, of course, now having to make a movie called Napoleon about Napoleon. He's very heavily diving into the private life, the personal life, the family life. And that could be interesting on paper. Like, you know, we know Napoleon is one of the most famous like figures just in war in general of all time. So it would maybe make more sense to do a story about that. So on the flip side, I could see why he'd be like, well, I want to tell a story about maybe the side that people don't know as much about. That could have been cool. But then he's also doing the traditional kind of. Ridley Scott, epic scale, you know, Gladiator, all these movies that we, you know, we're going to talk about, I'm sure, like a war movie and like with these fantastic battle sequences and all that. So he still is doing that side of Napoleon. And I've already like listed like four things and he's trying to do it all in this one movie. And even when you're like pushing three hours, that's not enough time to do that. And so unfortunately, I mean, the probably like the most damning thing I could say is even though it's a fucking Ridley Scott movie with all these great actors and performances and all that and set pieces it kind of feels like a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none situation. I do agree with you. I think something like the like the Josephine parts were the most intriguing for me. But while the battle sequences were great, I didn't feel like there was anything like wildly... Not surprising is not the right word. It, it felt like how I expected it to, I guess, uh, especially for a Ridley Scott movie. Um, and then, yeah, the Napoleon stuff. I mean, it's called Napoleon. I mean, that not only... It doesn't have to be educational, but I'm with you. I didn't, like, learn... It's not that I didn't learn anything new, but I just didn't learn anything I thought was interesting. <laughs> and the stuff yeah. that like could have been interesting, I found more confusing than anything. Like his motivations are weird. He's strangely uncharismatic. Uh, maybe that's a performance issue, a writing issue. I don't know. But someone like Napoleon, 
would have to be charismatic to reach that status. So that feels like it's at odds there. So I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. I wouldn't say that I feel like I wasted my time. I do think there are some like tons of like great high quality stuff in here on the performance side and just like the way it looks and the way it's shot and the battles and all that good stuff. But I think more of it misses than hits. And I think maybe the problem is that it's called Napoleon and those are probably the worst parts of it or like the least interesting, at least. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And you also from if you just take this maybe at face value, you would kind of come out of this thinking, wow, Napoleon kind of stumbled his way into emperor. And if you go read history, that's really not true. Like he was this renowned military strategist. Um, The way he conducted war is still studied today, like by our military generals. And then also on the political side of things, he was involved in the French Revolution he did do a lot of other political things like higher education system, things like that, that like were from his ideas that got instituted. And then on top of that, he came into a revolutionary France that had just overthrown all their monarchs and got the people to elect him as their emperor. So there's this whole other side of Napoleon that we didn't learn anything about in this movie. Yeah, it's also that's a great way to put it. Like this movie kind of makes it seem like he stumbled into success um, and maybe is remembered differently for whatever reason. But yeah, like we we all know how successful he was. And the way they like play out the battles, or at least like the battles they chose, it feels like in this movie he loses more than he wins. So then it like it makes kind of his rise in this movie even more odd. <laughs> like, confused. like I don't know. It's it's a weird movie. It's confusing. Like I know a lot of people are talking about the historical inaccuracies and all that, and it is what it is. It's a movie, but I didn't think I would care about that. But maybe if they had stuck more to history, it would, I wouldn't feel as confused while watching it. I don't know. Yeah, and I I don't mind when people do historical yeah. fiction. That's what most movies are. I just wanted to see more of like politically how was he successful yeah all right well with that um sounds like this is a mixed bag for us that said i think the positive is both austin and i despite feeling kind of down on the movie are definitely going to watch it when it comes to apple tv plus because i think we might have something a lot better on our hands so kind of take that as we as you will maybe you want to experience something like this epic in scale like on the big screen which i would understand i wouldn't fault you for that but i also wouldn't fault anybody for just wanting to wait for streaming for this one but it's always weird to say with movies like this, uh, this is our official spoiler warning uh, for the story of Napoleon. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the movie, if you don't care, I think this is one that you can kind of stick around because if you know anything about Napoleon in history, I don't think we're going to say anything too shocking here, but it'll be a good conversation. So let's get into it. Release the Scott Cut, baby. So welcome to Spoiler Territory, everybody. Before we get into our points, we want to dive deeper on Austin. As always, let's do some quick cast, crew, and critical reception talk. All right. So Napoleon is, of course, directed by Ridley Scott, who you may know from Alien, Gladiator, Kingdom of Heaven, Black Hawk Down, Blade Runner, The Martian. All of those are better than this movie, but he is a very (laughs) well-renowned director. Um, The movie is also written by David Scarpa, who has surprisingly few credits. He is known for the remake of The Day the Earth Stood Still, The Man in the High Castle, and he did all the money in the world for Ridley Scott. He's also writing the upcoming Gladiator 2, which I'm so fascinated how they're going to make a sequel to Gladiator. Me too. Um, And of course, our score for the film is composed by Martin Phipps. Then for the cast, we have Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon Bonaparte, Vanessa Kirby as Empress Josephine, Tahar Rahim as Paul Barris, Ben Miles as Colin Court, Rupert Everett as the Duke of Wellington, Mark Benar as Juno, Paul Rees as Talleyrand, and Sinead Cusack as Letizia Bonaparte. So, Austin, there's our cast and crew. Anybody we should shout out here? Could be positive, could be negative. I will say I thought Vanessa Kirby did steal the show as Empress Josephine. Very incredible performance. Uh, Every time she was on screen, I just wanted to see more of her. 
Um, we also really didn't get to see a lot of like what she did as Empress, so that was kind of a letdown. I think my main thing that stands out, though, is I am going to give a negative to Ridley Scott for the editing of this movie. The way this movie is edited, you could audibly feel that there were scenes you were not seeing when you got to like the cut the white screen and the next things happened. And that just completely took me out of the movie. It made it more confusing. It was harder to figure out who was allied to who, what conflicts a certain character overcame or things like that. So um, the editing is a huge negative for me in this movie. Hopefully it's better with the extended cut, but it's still a negative since I paid money to see this in theaters. <laughs> Very true. I would definitely take Vanessa Kirby as well. I'm not going to give Joaquin Phoenix a negative. It feels like that's a hard thing to do. Like I said, I don't know if it's a performance issue or a writing issue. I think I might lean more towards the writing, but this movie just makes him seem kind of uncharismatic and interesting. And maybe that falls on him too. I don't know. I was reading that he chose to change the way he portrayed the character to slapstick because he was still coming off of his Bo is Afraid movie. So like the way he feels clunky is a Joaquin Phoenix choice. Yeah, I think another choice he made that will probably, I mean, I don't know what the word I would use is, it, but I will say it made me laugh in theaters. I mean, I guess it's been talked about already, but his accent choice is clearly purposeful. Would it be weird if he was doing like this weird, like he's speaking English, but with like a French accent? Maybe that would just sound too weird for a three hour movie. So he chose what he did. But what he did also makes me laugh because then you remember this is Napoleon, a French person. <laughs> so <laughs> there's definitely some weirdness on the accent front. Um, I had to pull up the name, but uh, the I guess so. I, I don't know if I can say this a negative, but my main positive for the movie, I think, is going to be Darius Wolski, who is the cinematographer. Um, I'm with you with uh, like a, maybe a negative for Ridley Scott and, and some of those like directing duties and kind of overseeing the editing. But I do think the movie looks really good. Yeah, um, for sure. So I would credit the cinematography there. And I think the accent conversation is interesting. It, it was clearly a choice by everybody not to do French. I mean, Vanessa Kirby is speaking yeah. with a British accent, even though she's the French Epperance. It didn't stand out to me. Like a lot of historical movies do this. Humphrey October is Russians and they're all speaking sure. English. So mm. it can work. But it's interesting that Joaquin Phoenix chose not to do a French accent, but then also didn't speak in his normal voice. So what was he going right. for? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what we thought. And Austin, looking at the critical reception here, it sounds like we might be kind of on board with most critics here. Uh, so Napoleon received mixed reviews and currently has a 59% on Rotten Tomatoes. Besides critical consensuses, Ridley Scott is intent on proving the emperor has no clothes in Napoleon, a slightly funny epic with bravura set pieces whose divided runtime keeps it from outright conquering. Critics did praise the film's epic scale, battle sequences, and Phoenix and Kirby's performances, while some took issue with the length and Scott's bloated direction. Uh, French critics, though, were pretty much all negative, <laughs> um, uh, especially compared to those coming from Britain and America, and called the film lazy, pointless, boring, migraine-inducing, too short, and historically inaccurate. Uh, the movie cost a whopping $200 million to make and so far has made $89 million at the box office. So considering the movie would at least need to make $400 million to break even, this obviously is not great. But the film is going straight to Apple TV Plus soon. And if it finds success in streaming, then it really doesn't matter that it had a poor box office performance. Yeah, I have two things here. I, I did see going into the movie, a lot of the reviews saying this movie is surprisingly funny. This movie didn't make me laugh at all. I didn't find it funny at, uh, one bit. So I'm curious if you did. I don't know how I would put it because I, I kind of see what they're saying. Like, I guess it's comical is not the right word. Funny also doesn't feel like the right word. Maybe it just feels like there's more levity than I thought there would be in a story like this. Yeah. Um, did it all work? No. And, and in fact, I mean, 
Probably not a good thing. I did find myself laughing more, but it, I don't think it was intentional. <laughs> the stuff that I was <laughs> laughing at. Like, I mean, your intro. I mean, the snorting like a pig was like, I just thought it was stupid. <laughs> but I was laughing at it. Um, I thought some of the accents made me laugh, too. So, like, none of this stuff I should be laughing at. So, I mean, I guess I can understand that maybe there was levity in it, but I shouldn't have been laughing as much as I did, is what I should say. <laughs> The response of the French to this movie is, is not surprising because Napoleon is their hero and he does kind of get like portrayed as a buffoon in this movie. Um, I'm also starting to get a little annoyed with some of Ridley Scott's quotes from his more recent movies, um, like in the press, because <laughs> yep. for, when he was doing his press tour for The Last Duel, people were asking him about the length and he said, our generation just doesn't have the attention span to go to movies anymore. He got yeah. kind of canned for that. And then he was responding to some historians saying... Like, this, your movie's really inaccurate. You didn't do a good job. And his response was, were you there? No? Then shut the fuck up. <laughs> didn't he call the French people idiots, too? <laughs> I didn't see that, but I did see his response to them not liking it was, uh, nobody was booing me at the premiere in Paris. Yeah, Austin, also a great quote we have is, in response to a French critic and Napoleon biographer who called Napoleon very anti-French and very pro-British, Scott told the BBC, quote, the French don't even like themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I see where you're coming from, but I'm going to mark this down in the legend column. I think Ridley Scott <laughs> might get a pass for some of these quotes. I think they're so funny <laughs> that I, I have to kind of like it. <laughs> I think Ridley Scott may be a little high on his own supply. I think, I mean, I think he definitely is high on his own supply if he's making Gladiator 2. I mean, don't you kind of have to be if you're doing something <laughs> like that? I'm just happy we've made it 20 minutes into this recording and neither one of us has called him Sir Ridley Scott. Forgive us, everybody. Forgive us. <laughs> well, with that, let's go ahead and go a little bit deeper. So let's get into our roundtable discussion, the main part of our show where each of us brings a point or two that we want to spend more time on. Um, I think you have a great opening question here that I'm looking at if you want to pose it. Yeah, I figured we'd start broad. Uh, did you learn anything new about Napoleon from this movie? It's a great question and kind of like what I was alluding to earlier, maybe. It's like I didn't go to this movie to learn anything necessarily. Like, I didn't need it to feel educational or like it was kind of preaching like some like new like bombshell information that like maybe like the general audiences don't know. And of course, like, like there's certain details about like certain battles or like little like bits and pieces here and there that obviously like I don't know everything. I'm not a Napoleon expert, but. This is a per, like a figure in history that we all are brought up to know at least something about. And kind of like I said, I, I just I it's not that I didn't learn anything. It's just that I didn't take away anything like I just I like I don't know what really Scott out of making this movie. And I, as an audience member, like I walked in and then I walked out and I don't know, like I, I didn't know what to take away. So I think that's how I would respond to that question. It's like. Yes, this movie focuses on the personal life. Yes, it focuses on his career as both uh, a military strategist and the emperor of France. But I don't know. I don't think my issue is that I didn't learn anything. It's just that I didn't know what I was supposed to take away. I didn't know what I was supposed to kind of enjoy as an audience member. And it's funny that you mentioned this like kind of right at the top. I feel the exact same way. I, while watching, I was like, was he trying to tell like a Josephine story and like they just wouldn't let him? Like, but it is Ridley Scott. So like, why the fuck wouldn't they just let him make what he wants to make? I don't know. Uh, th that was the most interesting stuff for me. So I guess maybe to answer your proper question, maybe those are the things that I learned more about, kind of the Josephine side of the argument. Again, what's historically accurate or not, I'm not sure. Um, but I guess that's what I would say. I just didn't take away much, but I did appreciate kind of the focus on the Josephine side. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What about you? I think the only thing I actually learned was Napoleon is 
a more interesting figure than I realized. And after the movie, it did make me want to go like do some Googling and learn more about him. But from the actual movie, not a ton. Um, the main thing was I, I didn't know the intric- the intricacies of him and Josephine's relationship. And I was surprised like for this time period, obviously their relationship is not good and not portrayed very well in this movie, but there is still love there, which I was surprised by. And if you read like historical accounts, even after the annulment, he did actually keep her supported. He wanted her to keep her empress title. So there was something there. It's still not great, of course, especially given that it's in the late 1700s, early 1800s. But I was surprised, like, it seems like there was actually love there on both sides. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And maybe that's another thing that I kind of felt, like, from an educational point of view, I did take away a little bit. Um, I I found their relationship interesting, not necessarily portrayed well in the movie. But yeah, to your point, I guess there must have been love on both sides there. could you necessarily feel that while watching it? I don't know. No, you really couldn't. Yeah, I, you, I you did. could only feel it from the letters that they did like narration for. Yeah, and that was cool after the fact to see that. So I guess they did deeply love each other, and then that kind of ties into another, I think, interesting piece of the Napoleon puzzle, which is like he probably would have stayed with her despite like her having a lover and he and him being gone all the time. Like I think he would have stayed with her because he loved her so much, but because she was infertile, like there was pressure for him to move on to the next person, so to speak, once he reached kind of that high level of power. And I I did think the scene, you know, where his mom basically forces him to impregnate someone else to prove that Josephine was the issue in that situation was shocking. So, yeah, Yeah. I mean, I guess now that we're talking about it, like, of course, there definitely are things that I learned while watching the movie that I wasn't privy to. But I think maybe it's kind of what you said. I was like, I actually kind of had the cool aha moments after I watched it. And then I went down a rabbit hole as well, kind of like looking up stuff about Napoleon that I didn't already know. So I guess I can credit the movie for making me feel like I wanted to do that. But I can't credit it for like actually making me feel like I learned it because I feel like I learned it after the fact. (laughs) And the only reason I went down the rabbit hole was because I wanted to see in the movie, it's portrayed as there is some sort of love there, but it it was just tough, I guess, as as one way to put it. I guess so, yeah. But then I wanted to see like historically... Is that accurate? And it actually seems like it was like there was something there based on the letters they wrote back and forth. For sure. So, you know, that's an inter- that's the interesting thing. It's like if Ridley's I guess I guess we'll see the director's cut, which is his the way he intended to make it. But I wonder in that. So we have like what, like maybe like close to an extra hour and a half in that version. How do you think that'll play out? Do you think that hour and a half is going to be more devoted to the Josephine relationship side or is it going to be more like more battle scenes or more kind of war stuff like that? I'm very curious what that breakdown is going to be. Yeah, I'm curious, too, because at at the end, I think it said what he fought in 60 battles. And I think we saw three or four in this movie. So there's there's certainly more they could have shot. I would find it hard to believe that there like was a battle that got fully cut from the movie. So I think it's got to be more politically and character focused. Yeah, I could definitely see a studio pushing him to cut it down by like an hour and a half. And the stuff that he's probably going to cut is the character stuff, like character development, because there's not a whole lot of that in this movie. <laughs> so I think it'll probably be the personal side. But but I do hope we learn in the director's cut, like what it was about him that made him such a good strategist for this time, because we didn't learn that from the theatrical. Cut. <laughs> we definitely didn't. Yeah. <laughs> to a comical degree. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know it ties into something you had already mentioned that you also wanted to spend some time with on the editing side. Because we get like tons of white cuts. So it's like, oh, clearly the scene just ended. And now they're just like, you know, doing like a basic transition. And then we just cut to the next things. Like, what did we kind of miss in that period of time? Was it anything? So it kind of ties into that, too. It's like, I don't know, like in the theatrical version, did you just feel like that was like a good way to like 
not give us all the information and move on to the next thing. I don't know. It felt <laughs> it felt very amateur in a weird way. I feel weird using that word, you know, talking about people like this. But I mean, that that's kind of how it felt while watching it. Yeah. And, and the main thing with the editing for me was we've talked about how it did feel like he kind of stumbled his way into being emperor. But with the way the movie is edited, we don't really see any personal conflict or political conflict for Napoleon. Every time he achieves yeah. something, it cuts to white and then he's been promoted or he's now the first consulate or, or he's the emperor. So we don't see him struggling to actually gain power. We just see him easily taking power in this movie. And yeah, and even when things are about to get interesting, like I, th I thought it was kind of an interesting little wrinkle, like we're in the middle of a battle sequence, so to speak. And then he gets the news that his wife at home has taken a lover. It's like, oh, shit. And so like now he's like going to race home and resolve this. And again, I, I, I'm using the word comical in a bad way. Like it comically like wrap. It's like not a big deal. <laughs> it just yeah. kind of wraps up. And I think a part of that issue is because of the editing, like the editing almost makes it feel like, oh, that, that was going to be a big deal. But then I guess Napoleon and Josephine figured it out and it wasn't. And then, yeah, I don't know. Like, the editing <laughs> does a, like a very good job at like making certain personal conflict, like you said, and character development come off very goofy and poorly. And with that scene specifically, it, it definitely feels like we either missed a big fight or a long conversation because he comes home, he's upset, and then it cuts and they're reconciling on the couch. So yeah. what did we miss? Like that conversation would have been like so fascinating. <laughs> it's like... Ah, yeah, those are those are the annoying things about the movie for sure. So an another thing, and this this may be another just factor from how poor the editing was in this movie, but I did find it really tough to figure out what Napoleon actually stood for in this movie. It was even from the intro, at least for me, it was really hard to follow that he actually was on the side of the French Revolution and was working with that party to overthrow the rulers. That was tough to follow. And then I, I was... It was hard for me to see, like, once he actually had power, okay, what is he doing with this power other than actually fighting wars? Because there is other stuff he did for France, and there, there's stuff from republics and democracies that is still used, like, in today's governance. So and we didn't really get any of that in this movie. Yeah, that was so frustrating that, like, it feels like, I'm, I guess that's kind of what I was already talking about, like, kind of with the editing, it kind of, it feels like the editing undercuts these massive moments in the movie. And another great example of that would be kind of what you're talking about is, like, this like really great scene where like the Pope is supposed to be crowning him emperor and Napoleon does like the infamous like, whoa, Napoleon, like that's kind of a controversial that you're crowning yourself like that type of shit. But just showing, OK, Napoleon's in charge now. Napoleon clearly does, you know, how Napoleon wants to do it. And then to your point, the movie, you think that's, this is going to be like a big change in the movie. Now it's going to be more about the emperor side and kind of the political factor that Napoleon was also very well known for. And then you're right. You're 100% right. Then the movie just continues. And then it's more of the same type of battle scenes. And like, they're still like fun and engaging to watch. But it's weird that the movie doesn't really change course at all once he like gets to the peak of said power that he was looking for. And it also, I mean, he gets exiled twice and like you barely even realize that. <laughs> and it's like not treated as a big deal. Um, yeah, you're 100% right. It's like he gets to where he wants to be politically. And then he just uses that in the case of this movie to just keep doing what he was already doing on the war front. We get none of the interesting kind of intricacies of what it means to be an emperor and how you kind of navigate the political atmosphere. Because you're right, you know, based on how people talk about Napoleon, not in the sense of a, like a military figure, how they talk about him as like a French emperor in, in that sense, you, there's clearly very interesting stuff because he was clearly very like, like adept and strategically minded on that front as well. But they just don't show it. They just skip over it. Yeah. And I do want to acknowledge Napoleon did some terrible things too as emperor. 
Um, namely, course, course. he reinstituted slavery in French foreign colonies, which is yeah. terrible. Um, in light of that, too, though, he did also establish a central banking system. He did allow people to freely practice religion in France. He did establish a higher education system and a central sewer system. So there are these things that still carry forward to today's world that are because of Napoleon. And we didn't get any of that in this movie. Um, and that was really frustrating for me. It also, and also I was reading because of the way he grew up, he, he grew up with a hatred for the monarchy and was a participant in the French revolution. And you don't get a sense of that in this movie. He was in a weird position where he hates the monarchy, but then he became an authoritarian ruler. And still, while he was conquering all these colonies, was spreading ideals of the French Revolution and democracy and things like that. So it's a really weird dichotomy where this guy is an authoritarian ruler, but then still spreading all these ideals across the lands he's invading. And that's what I mean. Like, obviously, I know we're not saying this. Like, we do not support, like, as people, like, everything Napoleon did. That would be insane to say. But what I mean is clearly, what, like, when looking at history and when looking at this movie, like, seeing the peaks that he reaches, he was obviously incredibly successful. Yeah. what he was doing. Like, I'm not like saying what everything he did was right. I know you, you aren't either, but it's like, it's weird that the movie doesn't focus on that. I mean, this is one of the, like the most everlasting figures, both politically and in war. And you just don't really get a sense of why he was maybe even beloved is not the right word, but just why he was respected in his own time. And now as a political figure specifically, um, like you said, it just feels like he kind of accidentally stumbled his way into it. And then he accidentally lost a couple battles and then lost favor, <laughs> which means he got his ass kicked out of being the emperor. And then he came back briefly and then, oops, fucked up again and then gets kicked <laughs> out again. It makes him look kind of stupid. Yeah. Uh, so like knowing like his stature and like like the, the way people talk about him in terms of history, it, it's, it is shocking and bizarre that they don't focus on some of those political aspects that you talked about. It's like, how and why did he do that? Did he do it because he thought people would like him for it? Did he do it because he thought it was right? Like, I don't know. The movie doesn't spend any interesting the movie doesn't spend any interesting time, I think, character wise with Napoleon. And that, that's just I an agree. example of. Yeah. It. Yeah. The most frustrating thing for me is from the movie. I never understood what Napoleon actually believed in. I had to go learn all that after on the Internet. So, again, it's like it's nice when, you know, you, you watch something or like take in a piece of media and it inspires you to like, you know, learn more, dig deeper. That's always a great feeling. but. It's never a great feeling that you're doing that because you're like, wow, that thing I watched kind of sucked, but I bet like the real life is more interesting. So I'm going to read into that. Obviously, it would have been nice if this was better and more interesting and still inspired some uh, introspection there, but not the case. I will say one of the more interesting parts of the movie that we didn't get a lot of time on as well was how the other world leaders thought of Napoleon, how many of them like reviled him and were upset with his conquests and thought he was impolite and like those scenes I found really intriguing, but they were also kind of few and far between. The most interesting for me, and I and I hope we get more of this in the extended cut, but it was the relationship between Alexander and Napoleon. Um, because we get one scene where they're outlying, and then the next scene, Napoleon's just saying, My friend Alexander has betrayed me. And it's it's interesting because Alexander was studying Napoleon, and then when he invaded Russia, Alexander kind of out out Napoleon Napoleon. So yeah, like you get a little bit of that, but you don't understand the actual like consequences of it or, or how it came to be. And the fact that Napoleon was so good at what he did, especially on the military front, like, I don't know, it's weird to always talk about movies like this where it's like you would think they would have done this or they probably should have done this. But the movie just kept making me think that the entire time. It's like, to your point, since he was so adept at military strategy, 
wouldn't it be interesting to understand or get some time as to why he lost for once? Yeah. Like the few times that he did. And like I said, we see him lose in this movie more than he wins in terms of like the military stuff, I feel like. But I don't know. Like there was nothing interesting to it. And that would have been like a great example of like how to maybe beef that up a little bit. It's like, how did this guy out Napoleon Napoleon? Like you said, we, we don't really get that. Again, it just feels like another white cut editing weird thing where it's like, this is my best friend, Alexander. Goodness, I love this guy. This is me doing an impression of what I'm going to marry his sister, Napoleon, by the way. <laughs> but then it's like, oh, he betrayed me. It's like, what? what? <laughs> so you're so right. It's like very strange. <laughs> I think the movie wants you to take away that at some point, this man's ego and hubris is the reason he ended up losing. But you don't actually get like the military reasons of why he started losing. And, and what do you think really Scott was trying to say like at the end, whenever they show like Napoleon's like now going to write his memoirs, but the memoirs are just about him being the best, essentially. Like he's like, <laughs> these memoirs are going to be focused on what I did right and only what I did right. Do you think like really Scott's like trying to make a commentary on the fact that, you know what, maybe Napoleon did actually stumble his way into power like it's an interesting story kind of about how he went in and out of power but then because everybody like respected him enough i guess whenever he started telling them what really happened and this was like a best-selling memoir that they just believed it like is there some commentary there that maybe like napoleon wasn't as good as people believe but then he just told everybody and it sold super well and then they believed it that everything he said like i, I don't know what he was trying to do with that commentary specifically well, Ridley Scott would tell you yes, and that he's smarter than all the historians. Shit, so, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Ridley Scott set out to make this movie for a reason. From yeah. the theatrical cut, I don't know what that reason is, and I hope mm. I figure it out from the director's cut. <sighs> Sir Ridley, if only I could get inside that brain of yours. <laughs> <laughs> and for seven ninety nine, you can get an Apple TV Plus subscription and find out what is going on in Sir Ridley's head. <laughs> That Apple TV Plus subscription is worth every penny of that seven ninety nine. That is true. That is They've true. You know, he made the right there. call. He made the right call. He and Scorsese were like, we're going to put ours on Apple TV. And now even Apple's going to be able to say like, hey, we've got the better version of Napoleon on our <laughs> that service. That would be so funny. <laughs> they just come out like, hey, we know you all hated that one, but trust me, this one, this one rocks. It's like, oh shit. Like I get Apple now. <laughs> so before we close out here, um, a final point I wanted to bring up is um, we, we've already kind of talked about like we just based on the theatrical cut, we don't really know why yet, like why Ridley Scott wanted to make this movie. Was it to tell a story about Napoleon? Was it to focus on the family stuff? Was it actually supposed to be like a Josephine story? Was it about the military politicals? We don't know. We're not sure, which is definitely not a good thing to say after watching a movie. Um, but I don't want to focus on that because we already talked about it. I want to know, do you think, are there more stories like this to tell? And I guess I'm talking specifically about like these historical epics that we've gotten kind of used to over the years. We don't we don't get a lot of them, but they definitely are still kind of churning out and have been for decades at this point. Um, but I want to know, like, what would make those better and what can be like what was done bad in this that could be done better in the future? But then are there things that should be mimicked from something like this? Like any positives to take away? I don't know. What do you, It's kind of a, just a general question I wanted to throw out to you. Well, this Napoleon story is is interesting because. I was reading, apparently, the framework for this movie comes from a movie that Stanley Kubrick was trying to make about Napoleon. Oh, that's right. He was fascinated by him, did all this research, but mm. Ridley Scott hated the script. So they took that framework mm. and then wrote a new script for this movie. I say all that because Steven Spielberg is working on a Napoleon movie using Stanley Kubrick's framework and script. Huh. So that's going to be coming out, too. So maybe Napoleon's always going to get more film and books and stuff about yes. him because he's so interesting 
So I am curious to see what Steven Spielberg's take looks like on this story. I mean, you use the word interesting. It would be nice if in Steven Spielberg and I guess Stanley Kubrick's version, uh, the character, quote unquote, you know, character of Napoleon is actually interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, like, I, I do tend to love these types of movies, like, you know, historical. It could be historical fiction, too, but I just love like the historical epic. Um, but when they suck, they suck. There's usually not many in the middle ground, although I, maybe this is like a rare exception where it's kind of in the middle. I wouldn't say it's bad, but I don't think I can say it's good. Um, and then there's tons of great ones. I mean, someone like Zack Snyder, I know is now, I think they said this week is working on a, um, like an Alexander the Great type movie that might, I don't think it's going to like tie into 300, but maybe in that sort of style. Uh, but some, like someone like Zack Snyder is probably just going to do all the battle scenes great like this and then do none of the interesting character stuff but we'll see and you know i, know. I would i would like to see Zack snyder take on the 60 napoleon battles that he fought and see what that there looks we like because that man can direct action that would be sick <laughs> uh but i mean speaking of alexander the gray i mean that's another figure of history very similar to napoleon that has an even way longer lasting um like notoriety but that's also somebody that they've never really dived into the interesting personal character dynamics about kind of his relationships with his uh with men with people that like you know he worked with like the, clearly a very interesting character like oliver stone tried to do it with uh colin farrell and he, he that was bad <laughs> but <laughs> that's a character that i could see like a there's a great alexander the great movie somewhere someone could do it unfortunately it's not Zack snyder but i will be tuning into dc fandom whenever he uh <laughs> shows the first trailer <laughs> you know it, it's interesting because you were you were talking about um these war movies and how maybe we need more of a focus on the personal and political sides of things. And I was actually reading an article last night about Napoleon, but from the perspective of a, a military strategist and a military historian. And he said, pretty much all of our media that perpetuates the myth of one decisive battle is completely incorrect because war is more about attrition and, and one side running out of resources or people where they can't fight anymore. There's never been like one battle that ends a war. And Napoleon only gives you the decisive battles, which don't really exist. So I would like to see a war movie that kind of focuses on the other side of that, of like calculating how many men can you afford to spend or how many, how much resources, like actually wearing down a side through, attri through attrition, because that's really the only way wars are ended or started. That's such a good point. Kind of ties it. I wasn't really thinking about this too much, but like there's nothing, Austin, that annoys me more in a movie based on a true story whenever that final fade to black happens and they, sh they pop the text up on the screen. Before the credits roll, you know, where they tell you, like, and Napoleon died in 1821 or like, in, <laughs> or like whatever it is. Like, if it's good, I like it. But if it's bad and to your point, it's like after watching this movie, whenever it popped up, they just give you the death toll. I know like, what, what I mean. What is They're the like, point of this statistic? Three million people died in Napoleonic Wars. It's like well, you, this movie didn't make me feel or know that. Yeah. And now you're just saying it. And they just so give you that number and don't tell you what they're trying to say. Are they trying to say like Napoleon's ego cost all these lives? Are yeah, they trying to say it could have been worse without Napoleon's strategy? What yeah. was the point of those statistics? Maybe we'll learn it in the four hour cut coming to Apple TV Plus. I don't know. I think we're, we, have, <laughs> we have some wishful thinking, but you know what? Ridley surprised us with director's cuts before. Maybe he will again. Oink, oink, oink. <laughs> All right, Austin, let's get into our outro. But of course, before we can, we got to do some Arnie's Podcast Awards, the final part of our show where we take something from the project we just watched or experienced um, and we give an award to something positive, negative, or something in between about it. Today, what you got? Yeah, I'm going to give the, hey, I did learn something from this movie after all award. And it is the fact that I learned 
what a cannonball can do to a charging horse. And uh, it's not Oof. pretty. It's not pretty. No, definitely not pretty. Um, I, of course, Austin, you know, this has been a tricky episode for me because I love Ridley Scott so much. Again, Exodus Gods and Kings, we all have stinkers out there, but he's made so many good movies. But unfortunately, after watching Napoleon, I have to institute a very rare, a very hurtful, actually, and a very negative award. And I know Queen Elizabeth is dead now, but the monarchy is still there. I think we need Charles to strip him of his sir title. <laughs> <laughs> so my award, I guess, is it's more of a question. Can we take somebody's sir status away? <laughs> You'd know he would be livid. That man's ego, that man's ego is almost as big as Napoleon's. <laughs> In the last moments of the show, did we really just figure out why he wanted to make this movie? Because <laughs> he saw a kindred spirit. Holy shit. Whoa, I actually, I like legit just got like chills a little bit. <laughs> it wasn't a Josephine movie after all. It was oh a Napoleon movie and it was Ridley Scott saying, hey, I am today's Napoleon. Oh my, okay. You know what? He might have some good points. Um, we're going to tune into the four hour cut to see if our, our newfound theory is correct, but that's a wonderful way to leave us off here, everybody. Um, something to think about. For I sure. think the text is going to come on at the end of the four hour cut that says it just says thank of- you. It says no, no, no. Sorry, no. it says you're welcome. <laughs> it says Battle of Waterloo, three thousand people. Other battle, a million, two million, and then it and then it fades to black again and just goes. And he was my best friend. And then the credits Holy roll. Shit. And then like an, like the credits roll. Then like the post credit scene is just more text and it says if you've ever given a negative review to any movie I've ever done, fuck you. I hope you die. <laughs> And then there's one more cut to black screen, and it's Holy just an AI-generated photo of Ridley Scott and Napoleon arm-in-arm walking together. Oh, God, I'm so excited to see that image. <laughs> <laughs> I know everybody out there, you are too. But with that, thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you don't mind sharing us with a friend, we would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever your podcast really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and TheArnie's.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode. And keep in mind, we do want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at The Arnie's or email us, TheArnie'sMedia at gmail.com. What did you think of Napoleon? Do you also love Joaquin Phoenix's accent? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. All right, everybody, hope you have a great rest of your week. We'll be back next Tuesday. And I really do urge all of you to consider our dear friend, Ridley Scott, in the meantime. Think about it. Think about why did he make this movie? I think because I think we cracked it and I still am feeling like residual, like like chills. because I, I truly feel like we nailed it. So just think about that. Tell your friends, because the Arnie's podcast truly gave you the definitive answer about why Ridley Scott wasted $200 million on this movie. <laughs> I'll leave you in the wise words of Ridley Scott. Please do. Fuck those historians. <laughs> <laughs>